Hello and welcome to Need a Go. Need a Go is a podcast meant to help you take your learning on the go. Our goal is to support administrators, tech coordinators, educators, and just anyone in their learning journey. So whether you are at home, work, the gym, or on your commute, we are glad you're joining us. Now for the latest episode of Need a Go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this month's episode of Need to Go. We are uh, nearing up the holidays, and Stephanie and I um, are excited to bring you this month's episode. Uh, those of you that are listening, I guess, hot off the press style for our podcast, um, chat GPT and the chatbots are a hot item in and out of the classroom. So Stephanie and I have been chatting back and forth about them and... When we were looking at ideas for this month's podcast, we were like, Donnie Piercy, he has just tweeted a bunch of stuff. He's done some research on it. He's got some humor behind it, just all things um, AI. And so Stephanie and I are very excited to welcome Donnie Piercy. Um, Donnie is a 17-year veteran of the classroom and current fifth grade teacher uh, in Lexington, Kentucky, who also happens to be the 2021 Teacher of the Year as well. So Donnie, if you want to introduce yourself any more that if you would like to share any more about yourself that we might have missed there, that would be great. Otherwise, we will um we're excited to have you here and we're excited to chat uh chat 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 GPT. I can't we're even gonna, <laughs> we're gonna <laughs> chat chat about the chat rise of chatbots. Yeah. So thank you so much, um, Heather and Stephanie. I really appreciate y'all um in inviting me on. Um, yeah, you know, pretty much you, you've summed it up. So I've been teaching elementary school now for 17 years, currently in my 17th year. Um, always had an interest in uh, innovative ways that educators can bring uh, technology into the classroom. So uh, about a month ago, when we started to see the rise of the machines and the rise of the bots um, that were released on the public, it was definitely something that I was very interested in right away trying to figure out as classroom teachers, how can we go about using tools like this in the classroom? Yes. And the first thing I thought of, Donnie, and I don't know, Stephanie, you can add to this as well is. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's another acronym. Like we have this acronym and sometimes those things kind of stop. In education? Yeah. We have yeah. acronyms in education? <laughs> no way. Man, I must have missed that. So now we have chat GPT and sometimes people mix those letters around. So tell what what is it, Donnie? What's chat GPT? Uh, all right. So it stands for the chat is not an acronym that actually just stands for chat. It's a it's a chat robot. Right. Not like a AOL chat room that some of y'all may remember. But the GPT part stands for generative pre-trained transformer, which sounds very fancy. But long story short, what it is, it's a, a site that you can go to. Um, it is the third edition of it. So for those of you who just discovered it, just keep in mind there is a first and second version that was that was released. They've been released over the past few years. Um, but it's based off of uh, kind of a an artificial intelligence machine, I guess you could call it, called OpenAI. And the best way to describe what ChatGPT is, think of it as Similar to Google, where there's a little box that appears, but instead of looking up information like, you know, information about the War of 1812, instead, instead of looking up information, it creates. 
and it creates whatever you ask it to. So it'll write stories, solve problems. Um, I learned that if you uh, have it read a paragraph, um, it'll create questions from that paragraph. It'll generate prompts. Um, for those of you like outside of education, it also writes press releases. Heck, I even was playing around last week with some of my students and we realized that it even writes computer code based on what you tell it to. Um, and yes, it also creates subplans. Again, keep in mind, not good subplans, but if you're struggling with a lesson that you want to send to a sub, you know, because sometimes as teachers, we get sick, um, it'll actually do that for you. And it's, um, yeah, not going to lie. It's the first one of these apps that I've seen because there have been apps like this around for years. Just think like Heather and Stephanie, if every time you go to a website, the little thing that appears in the corner that says like, hey, ask me any questions, like that's AI. That's, you know, creating a response based on what you type or every time that you, um, you know, called call an airline or, you know, it's usually not a person on the other end. It's based off of something that you say where it sends you. So this idea of artificial intelligence has been around for a long time. But so what's creating so much buzz about this chat GPT, it's the first version of it where people are starting to realize all the implications that this may have, not just for the classroom, but in hundreds but in hundreds of fields outside of the classroom as well. Because let's be honest, for those of us that have played around with it, it's kind of scary what it can do. So true, Donnie. And, you know, I was just messing around, just like typing in just simple questions. But one of the cool things too, is I found out that it can do like a recipe, you know, by the ingredients I have. But or even just better than that. Even better than that, I learned this one the other day. If you go into your your cabinet and you give it, you tell it what you have. I've got baking flour. I've got this kind of salt. I've got vanilla extract. I've got cookies. You know, I've got chocolate chips. You just list off a whole bunch of stuff and say, hey, give me some ideas for desserts that I could make just using these ingredients that I have. It'll generate some for you. Which again, oh, that's amazing. It's so cool, right? <laughs> so there's definitely, even though it is scary, what what um, some of the things that as educators are starting to talk about, there's definitely some elements of this that um, there's definitely some elements of this that um, there's there can be a lot of good that comes out of it as well. True, you know, and as a new tool, and you hear some of the implications, what it can do, you know, with school, and that's not how we've done it before, you know, how we might fear things like before was a calculator spell check, or maybe even Grammarly, you know, so how, oh, yeah. Yeah. how, how do you see teachers um, embracing AI, because you know, it's not going to go away. So how, how do you see us embracing it for the future? Yeah, well, I think it's important too to realize that just this this one chat bot, this is not what the end result is, right? Just because this is the latest thing, hey, guess what? There's going to be clones. There's going to be, mind the pun there, there's going to be like different versions of this app that come on out. There's going to be other chat bots that appear. Heck, you know, just think of everybody who's sharing their AI selfies that are appearing on uh, on social media, right? So imagine when you have a tool that not only does it um, create lists for you and create lesson plans for you and write stories for you, but it can also generate images that you tell it to, either, your, either of yourself or whatever celebrity it is that you want to see yourself um, standing you know, on a beach with somewhere or whatever. So it is important to recognize that 
you know, these tools are only going to get better um, and they're only going to get, you know, I guess you could say scarier in a way. So it is important to start to recognize and start to think like as classroom teachers, as educators, what is it that, you know, how can we adapt our classroom practices and lesson plans and um, activities to reflect the fact that these tools exist? Mm -hmm. That kind of reminds me, Donnie, of, um, I don't know if you've used the Chrome extension WordTune. And it's kind of like Grammarly, but what I liked when I inter introduced WordTune, first of all, to my own middle schooler, was that it gave a suggestion, actually three suggested ways to rephrase her writing, just one sentence or one couple sentences, and it rephrased those. But it's not like you can just copy and paste exactly that. You had to evaluate what how it was rephrased or how it was written and choose the one that best fit what you wanted to portray or what you're trying to say. So I think that's the another thing to look at too, is there are some questions about the content and whether it's valid or not, you know, and I was telling Stephanie before you jumped on, like I was working with our curriculum director. We were typing in a couple book, uh, book summary ideas. And if you leave out like a the or a specific um, word in the title of a book, you're going to get a completely different summary or the potential there is for something oh, yeah. completely different. Yeah. And so they're still, they still have to read and evaluate what's there before they copy and paste it into their Google doc or whatever they're submitting in the classroom. So I think that's important to remember too. And that's just like when, like Stephanie said, Grammarly was out or those things came into the or classroom. Even just it's, like predictive just text on a phone, right? Just even, even just like predictive text on a, on a phone when you type it in, like, Hey, look, there's some words that pop up. Can you finish this sentence for me? Um, it's definitely nothing new, but I, I think Heather, what's, what's like, just as someone who has kind of lived in the ed tech space for the last 17 years, um, it just something that I, Frank, I don't have a solid answer for yet because it's, I think all of us were really blown back by what this app can do. You know, this is the first app where instead, you know, it, in a sense, it almost like you're feeling like it kills the creative process because for years, all of us have preached the importance of, well, it's not just about the end result. It's about the process that a student goes through to get there from idea development to collaboration, to working, you know, to getting, to getting feedback from their peers about different suggestions they can make. But this is the first app that I've seen where if a student has idea an idea for a story, they can just type in, hey, write me a story about, um, it's a dystopian story where a bunch of fifth graders are trapped inside of another dimension and here are their names. And for some reason, Thanos is there and also Harry Potter and they can press enter and then it'll write that story for them. So in a sense, like as someone who's lived in this, you know, I've, I felt like for years I preached this idea of, oh, the process is important, but it's almost in a sense like the process is gone now. And, and I think that's an understandable concern for teachers. So it's kind of as a classroom teacher, I'm trying to figure out like, how do I incorporate a tool like this into my instruction? but still make sure that the students are the ones generating the ideas that they're, that, that they're the ones who are, you know, turning out these finished products. That's, that is their work and not just something that, 
you know, I can go back and, and, and look and be like, okay, you just copied and paste this from the bot. And, you know, as much as I, I like to, to talk about how much I love new technologies and I love these innovative stuff and trying to figure out how I can bring it into the classroom, the chatbot, in a sense, it kind of kills that human element. You know what I mean? And that's definitely something that I've been really wrestling with over the last month is as more of this stuff starts to come out, like, I don't know, there's part of me that week that we come back after break because we're recording this um, uh, over winter break right now. Like, I just want to take my class outside and go on nature hikes just to get away from all the technology for a week as I start to process like what the next few years in the classroom are going to look like. Well, just talking about that, Donnie, I know you've tried some of these things in your classroom. Could you give us some specific ideas um, that you've done? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, you know, these are, again, I'm struggling, I'm still struggling with the, the, the best way to go about using like a chat bot like this one in the classroom. Um, but um, just some little games and stuff that I've tried to do with it. Um, you know, I came up with a game. I haven't really thought of a name for it yet. We're just going to call it Telephone AI. Remember that game when we were kids, we used to play the game of telephone where everybody sits in a circle and then you whisper one message to the next person. And then, you know, by the time it gets to the end, the end result of the story is something completely different from when it started. Well, you know, just an idea for a story. Start off with something bland, type it into the chat bot, you know, um, write a story of five fifth graders on a Wednesday afternoon and they're ready to go home. It'll generate a story for them, five, six paragraphs long. You can even give them the name of the characters in the story if you want. Well, then because it's a chat bot, it's not just something that generates ideas. You can then tell it to, okay, now add this to the story. So maybe you go around the room and you, you go to the next student and say, all right, who has an idea for something else that we can add to the story? Maybe a student raises their hand and goes, well, can we add Marty McFly to the story? I just watched that, you know, Back to the Future with my dad last week. Sure. So you type in, now add Marty McFly to the story. And then it'll generate a whole new story. Not a whole new story, but it'll add that one little element into it. And maybe you do this six or seven times, and by the end, you have this completely wacky story where it's got like Barney the Dinosaur and Marty McFly and Harry Potter. And for some reason now, they're, you know, these five students that are trapped in this boring classroom, they're on their way to Mars for some reason. I don't know. But again, still would generate a story. And maybe at the end of this, after the story is generated, maybe you have the students read it, edit it, maybe they add their own spin on it. Maybe they illustrate it using some kind of graphic program. So that was just one idea. Um, you know, I, I am big on teaching students how to write properly. Um, so one thing I did notice, and this was actually just helpful, is, you know, if you tell it to write a paragraph about, I don't know, pick a topic, write a paragraph about the symbolism in the American flag, it'll do that. It'll write a, a paragraph. But I also learned that if you tell it to write a paragraph about the American flag, but remove all punctuation and capitalization and add a few grammar mistakes, it'll do that for you as well. So kind of a fun little activity if you're trying to do something on the fly, maybe ask your students, hey, um, can somebody give me an idea for a, a paragraph that you want to hear? 
you add on the extra bits about the removing the punctuation, and then you as a class, maybe you copy, paste it into a Google Doc and see if they can correct it to that way where they've, they've fixed and almost do those you know punctuation grammar mistakes that we used to do um, when we were a kid. Um, probably my favorite thing that I've done with it so far, um, talk to the class, come up with the absolute most goofiest idea for a play that you can think of. Kids, again, I'm elementary school, so they love performing, they love taking on roles and things like that. So, you know, asking the class, hey, give me a goofy idea for a story and you can just keep adding on to it. So just a simple example, um, you know, I told it to write a script of a play where four fifth graders are trapped in a giant sandwich and there's a talking horse named Twilight Rainbow Sparkle who wants to free them from their predicament. And then type that in 30 seconds later, it actually wrote out a play for me. And it even starts off, the scene is a giant sandwich. There are four fifth graders named Alex, Katie, Ben, and Sam are all trapped inside. And then it has like speaking parts for each student. So, hey, maybe something fun you could do after you come up with like a really goofy idea for a quick play, then you have it generated. You copy it into a Google Doc, you share it with the students, maybe even put them in groups, and then you can have them either add to the story or perform it or just something like that. But, you know, I, I think that that um, as more and more, as apps like this start to become more and more apparent, um, I think a lot of teachers are starting to realize that, oh, this is something that can start to make exemplar responses, but mm -hmm. also just creative, silly responses like this that we can then go and share quickly with our students. Yeah, Donnie, I really liked your, exp or your um, example of the removing the punctuation because you can easily personalize any type of learning in your classroom to make it more meaningful You know, with that information that's in there. So I thought that was a very useful idea that anybody could use. Yeah, or you just um, copy, you know, you could even take a historical text like, you know, Lincoln's Gettysburg Address copy and paste that in and then you can tell it to rewrite it you can tell it to turn it into a sonnet you could tell you could even tell it to hey summarize this for me in three sentences and it'll do it so um you know we're only a month in to playing with this thing with this tool and keep in mind there'll be more tools like it that roll out over the next few years and there, there's definitely um a lot of questions and concerns that i think classroom educators rightfully have because i mean i'm just gonna be honest like most of the classroom teachers like current classroom teachers that i've talked to about this have been really really upfront with saying hey you know what if this existed when i was in high school i totally would have used this to do some assignments <laughs> for me <laughs> you know and if you, i'm not saying you have to admit that right now but you know i'm being honest like yeah i think that that's a genuine point that as teachers and i'm not saying that's right but I, I think that that's a, a genuine point that we as as educators need to reflect on. One of my hopes is that this will create a need for much more authentic learning experiences that happen in the classroom, maybe more project-based learning experiences where, you know, hey, instead of those generic assignments that will sometimes give students for homework, let's be honest sometimes because we just need them to do something um, like, hey, read this and then write a two paragraph response. Well, that's something a bot can do in two seconds. Maybe instead we encourage our students outside of the classroom to go out, 
volunteer, do something creatively outside of the classroom, outside of the classroom, and then bring it back to share um, that experience with with their peers. Yeah, those are all great ideas. And like you said, this has only been out a month. And, you know, you're kind of mind blown, but um, I'll be attending CES in Las Vegas after the first of the year. And last year, AI was such a hot topic. And I'm assuming this will be the number one topic. Again, you know, we saw robots that would have a normal conversation with you. And, you know, it will be just interesting to see what will be released after the first of the year, especially after this coming out. Um, It'll just be fun to watch. And hopefully... Um, we can find some awesome ways to use it in the classroom. Yeah. And I guess the comparison to it would be like when Google first came out, well, when Google first started to become more, more prevalent, like everybody, myself included, if we wanted to learn about something, we would just go to the site and we would type in these really long sentences, trying to find (laughs) like that piece of information (laughs) when over the past, especially six or seven years, we've realized like, oh, if we type this, we get a response to, you know, it, it helps us refine our searches a little bit more. So if an app comes out like this, where um, especially it's a web-based app that somebody can just go to, we are going to learn more and more the best ways to use a tool like this. You know, there, there's a big debate among librarians, like how do you go, you know, who owns, if it cites a source or if it writes a, if it writes a story for you, who does that story belong to? You know, can you cite it um, or is it something that's just the AI generated and uh, a classroom teacher? Because none of this stuff is really publicly archived. How do you go about, you know, proving that a student wrote it versus a, a bot wrote it? And there's some third party apps out there that claim that you can copy and paste responses into you and it'll tell you, oh, I'm 78 percent sure that this was written by a robot or I'm one percent sure that this is written by a human. But at the same time, it's never going to be 100 percent because it's not like with. Um, you know, Google or sites like turnitin.com, where it can go and search the entire internet to try to find that sentence or that paragraph that, you know, was could be blatantly plagiarized because like, oh, yeah, your wording right here, this matches up with, you know, this, uh, this Wikipedia article right there. With this stuff, because it's creating it on the fly, like guaranteed, like I mentioned earlier, that there's never been a time in human history where someone was asked to produce a play where four fifth graders were trapped inside a giant sandwich and there's a talking horse named Twilight Rainbow Sparkle. Like guarantee you that has never been created in the history of, of the world before. So how do you go about, you know, proving that that was written by a human or written by a bot? And these are just questions that, you know, as teachers will hopefully figure out the best answers to over these next few months, you know, before this stuff really starts to take off. But um, it's definitely an interesting time to be in the classroom. Donnie, before we close out, first, I definitely want to say thank you for your insight, your ideas, your perspective. Um, one of the things that I want to ask in closing, for me, like, I feel like I have been on Twitter and TikTok, and I've seen some information on it on Facebook. And I'm learning from the EDU people that I follow, like yourself, like whether you're talking about your, you said you put in something about a Rickroll, you know, whether it's humorous like that, or this morning you were talking about, I think your, your message was, is GIF pronounced the harder soft G, you know, whether I got it wrong, by the way, (laughs) 
<laughs> it said it was a hard G when it's clearly a soft Wait, G. Soft but G. We, thank I you. But then again, where do you, like, for me, I feel like I'm gaining a lot of my knowledge from you. Um, like I follow Eric Kurtz blogs as well. And I know you had a little episode on the ditch summit, that type of thing, but is there a place you would recommend teachers go to or follow or something just to stay on top of it and maybe, you know, better understand it if this is the first time they're hearing about it or experiencing, experiencing it or want to try it. I, to be honest, Heather, I, I wish I had an answer to that, but this really does feel like the Wild West right now because <laughs> it does so for me, many, for sure. I mean, honestly, the best place to go would be to sign up for a free account and just go and start to play with it. Because most, what, what I've learned is most teachers kind of have the same, um, you know, they kind of do the same things when they experience the chat bot for the first time, you know, they'll say like, Oh, write a poem about, um, you know, Boston, Massachusetts, and, and it'll write one. Then like, Oh, that's cool. Um, maybe they'll do the thing where they'll take a question that they have given on a test before, maybe about the declaration of independence or something, and they'll throw it in and then they'll watch the answer come back and be like, well, you know, I guess this is passable. But then they'll start to play around with it more and more, and they'll realize like, oh, it writes sea shanties. Oh, it can take a paragraph that a student wrote and turn it into a daytime soap opera. Um, oh, if I take and copy that multiple choice test that I gave my students last week, and I just paste the entire thing into the bot and tell it to solve this test or give me every right answer, It'll do that. So, you know, probably the best place right now, um, because it really does feel like the Wild West, is to just go and play around with it. Because I guarantee you, it can do way more than you think. Because, mm -hmm. well, it, it is, it's still kind of in that scary zone where it's like, okay, now keep in mind, this is just the third edition of this chat box. You know, it's technically, it's, I was reading the other day that the fourth one, the kind of the fourth edition that's based off of OpenAI, is going to be 500 times more powerful and more human-like than this one. So I don't know what I'm going to do then. I know. <laughs> you know? No idea. What am I going to do then? I have no that, idea. That, that's good. I think yeah. it is true. Like, you do have to go in and try it because that's the first thing I did, you know, like you were talking about just your basics, you know, I was like, write a book summary for Charlotte's web. Okay. How some, you know, very simplistic, yeah. but it can do so much more than that. That was just. A oh, and the scary part is right. Tell it to write a book summary for, for Charlotte's web, but make it sound like it was written by a first grader and yeah, use I did really simple vocabulary and it'll oh, do it. I need to try that. I and you can even, again, this is the concern, right? Cause I even learned you can tell it. Cause I'm like, you know, I'm, Sometimes I'm always thinking like that kid who's really lazy and just wants to do, get out of every assignment because that's who I was in school. So I even learned like make it sound like a first grader, use really simple vocabulary and also include grammatical mistakes and a couple of run on sentences and it'll do it. Oh, gosh. And it'll do it. You can even tell it to ignore spaces after a period. And when you do it, it's like, oh, my gosh, this actually sounds like it was written by a seven-year-old. So, you know, and even if it doesn't, you can tell it like kids, it'll spit out a story at you. But remember, it's meant it's it was written to be like a conversational thing, like you're talking with 
I mean, it's meant to, again, it's not, but it's meant to sound like there's a person on the other end of it that's writing it for you. So if it doesn't sound simple enough, or if it doesn't sound first grader enough, you could say like, no, 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 use simpler words and it'll write the whole story again, but with simpler vocabulary, right? And again, this is one of the big concerns, right? Because um, yes, it can do that. So what does that mean that the instruction is going to look like in the classroom? Mm -hmm. In my mind, I'm like, okay, this makes me want to do so much more instruction in the classroom, so many more um, writing activities, so many more um, just hands-on math activities. So that way, if a student turns in something, I'll know right then, okay, man, like I've seen you write probably 10 pieces this year when we're inside this classroom. And what you just turned in does not sound like your voice, you know, or, you know, let's compare this piece that you turned in yesterday. These, you know, this, I don't know, this, uh, maybe they wrote like a play or something compared to this piece that you went and looked on the revision history or the version history. And it looks like it just all magically appeared five minutes before the due date. Hmm. Can we have that conversation? Right. So I don't know. You know, Stephanie, it's and Heather, it's it, it's still it's cool, right? It is the first tool that I've seen come along probably since like Google Docs that I'm like, OK, this really has a huge potential to disrupt what education looks like. Um, but there's we, we can't ignore the you know some of those questions that educators especially veteran teachers that have been doing this thing for a long time um, are starting to ask about um, making sure that this doesn't kill the creative process that happens in the classroom definitely well donnie we um, appreciate your time we appreciate your perspective i know i've said it before um, i'm intrigued too i feel like i've just scratched the surface um, but I enjoy watching what you have tweeted or shared that you have done in the classroom and personally. So we definitely appreciate your time and, and we appreciate your commitment to Nita. So those of you listening, thank you again for uh, joining us on this episode. And hopefully um, you will learn more and continue to find ways to embrace the chatbots in a classroom. <laughs> <laughs>